Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. Um, I've got a book this evening I've been really waiting to talk to you guys about. Really excited to discuss it. We've delved into it one or two times before but it's uh, Maoism, A Global History by Julia Lovell. Um, And the section that I'm really keen on exploring is the um, the role of Mao in the the wars of Indochina, the Indochinese wars in um, Vietnam and Cambodia. There's an, an awful lot to say and to unpack. Um, and the her analysis begins with the American view of um, Maoist expansion in Southeast Asia, really what we think of as the domino theory, which was this rather flawed kind of um, Kennedy-Johnson-McNamara uh, concept that um, the uh, one uh, country falling to communism would inevitably lead to uh, another, as if it was some sort of viral contagion. Um, the the literature of the time, uh, the uh, American uh, sort of educational stroke propaganda videos, of the time often talk about it in terms of it being a, a contagion and that, that communism is like a disease that spreads. Now the interesting thing here is that a, a standard view of this is um, that the uh, United States sought to contain Soviet communism but uh, well, whilst this is true um, Maoist, Maoist communism which had by the beginnings of the American involvement in the Vietnam War, long since diverged from its um, Soviet um, uh, partner or former partner, um, that Maoist communism was, in the eyes of the USA, uh, an equal threat. In fact, even sort of slightly worse, more unpredictable, uh, more virulent 
uh, more transmittable. Um, and uh, a, a lot of the geopolitical strategizing, the decisions taken, were less about um, containing Soviet communism in Asia, though the Soviets did back uh, North Vietnam, but about preventing the spread of Mao Zedong thought. And for uh, for the uh, on the part of the uh, the North Vietnamese, there was um, a cordial period of their relationship with China, and then an entirely hostile one, um, as the North Vietnamese really found their feet uh, as a, a revolutionary socialist state, and required less intervention, less interference, and less oversight from China. Uh, much to the resentment uh, of Mao. Um, if you go back six months or something like that, I was talking about um, the uh, Chinese assistance in North Vietnam uh, from the late 1940s all the way to Dien Bien Phu. Uh, so you can check out some of those podcasts there. But we're going to now get into examining uh, what Julia Lovell's um, arguments regarding the relationship between um, the the threat of Maoism and American foreign policy and decision-making uh, regarding Vietnam. Julia Level writes, In 1964, the US Department of Defense released a short educational film, Red Chinese Battle Plan, to show their servicemen. Such productions are not usually renowned for their subtlety of analytical vision, and this one was no exception. Red China's battle plan, the narrator intoned, to a sinister symbol beat. It is the blueprint for world revolution. Divide and encircle, conquer and enslave. The graphics show huge arrows extending from China to Asia, Africa, Europe and South and North America. On reaching their targets, the arrows become a snarling dragon stretched across the entire world. Mao's blueprint for conquest is succeeding just as planned. Today, communist China seeks to spread its own brand of global revolution, the ideological centre of a world enslaved. The film portrayed Mao's ambitions as global, but focused this fear on one territory overall, Vietnam. The film asserted it was the beachhead for global communist Maoist revolution. There the Vietnamese communists were deliberately replicating Mao Zedong's guerrilla war of the 1940s. If, the film, if, if Vietnam fell, so might the rest of the world. Lyndon Johnson, who after the assassination of John F. Kennedy, escalated the US involvement in the war throughout the 1960s, reiterated the point in another public information broadcast in 1965, called Why Vietnam, which we'll, we'll turn to in, in a moment. John F. Kennedy had famously said that Vietnam was the place, Vietnam was the place where essentially the Cold War would be decided, whether there would be the scope to roll back communism, which is um, the, the kind of the Kennedy doctrine, or not, Vietnam would be the battleground. The video, of course, that's being described here was um, far from being um, uh, particularly nuanced. Uh, and it, but it does tell us 
something really, really important, I think. Um, the To the 21st century ear, the um, idea of the domino theory seems uh, paranoid and um, uh, slightly... Um, Un, you know, uh, unnuanced and lacking in um, the the kind of the the, the depth of understanding um, that we we now have about the realities of communist expansion and the intentions in Moscow and Beijing. But it was, for the most part, within the State Department, a sincerely held fear. Um, there's nothing to suggest that. Um, the uh, domino theory was um, a cynicism on the part of, of um, State Department officials uh, and the Secretary of State uh, and the uh, National Security Advisor uh, and the President. Far from it, both Kennedy and Johnson uh, saw it as being absolutely correct and they believed that the implications for um, further expansion in Asia by communism were catastrophic. Here's what Johnson said. The declared doctrine and purpose of the Chinese communists remain clear. The domination of all Southeast Asia, the domination of the great world beyond, half a world away, has become our front door. If freedom is to survive in any American hometown, it must be preserved in such places as South Vietnam. It's up to us we must have the courage to resist. The visuals in the film um, by the, the, the Johnson uh, broadcast feature a picture of a laughing Mao. We did not choose to be the guardians at the gate, but there is no one else, nor would, it surrender, uh, nor would surrender in Vietnam bring peace, because we learned from Hitler at Munich that success only feeds the appetite of aggression. It's really interesting as well, the um, focus at the time on Mao. The um, American war machine that was engaged in Vietnam and the, the intentions of um, two, at least two presidents, um, the purpose of it directly references uh, Mao himself. Um, and there was a, a clear implication that obviously, in the eyes of America, the um, the North Vietnamese were the the tools of Mao, um, and you know, there's some evidence, some kind of, uh, some degree of truth in that. Obviously, the relationship between China and Vietnam becomes much much more complicated um, over the um, the course of the 60s and 70s. But it was clearly. From this um, uh, piece of uh, these, these two pieces of evidence alone, um, a uh, it was it's clear that there was an intention that it was China that was being fought to a standstill in Asia uh, in a second uh, Sino-American proxy war. The first, obviously, being Korea. Julia Lovell writes, "This was." The 1960s incarnation of the domino theory, beloved of American um, politicians from the 1950s to the 70s, the belief that China was responsible for turning Vietnam communist, um, and that once Vietnam had been turned, a chain reaction would follow throughout the Far East, 
and Southeast Asia. American obsession with Chinese Maoist expansionism thus helped to create the greatest foreign policy and military disaster in US history, the decade-long intervention into Vietnam. The insignia of the American Military Assistance Command in Vietnam, to be found on the upper arms of US soldiers serving in that theatre, was a sword cleaving in half, or perhaps stopping forces flowing out of a breach in the Great Wall of China. Note especially Johnson's comparison between Mao and Vietnam, and Hitler and Munich. This analogy for the failure to act in Vietnam was political orthodoxy in 1960s America. To underestimate China's ambitions, said Dean Rusk, Secretary of State during the 1960s, would recapitulate the catastrophic miscalculation that so many people made about the ambition of Hitler. To America's leadership, Lin Biao's global application of Maoist revolution, long live the victory of the People's War, was a Maoist mine camp, committing Beijing to undermine vulnerable colonial and newly independent nations. The Johnson administration, including, uh, including me, uh, interpreted the speech as bellicose and aggressive, remembered the Defence Secretary Robert McNamara, signalling an expansionist uh, um, signalling expansionist, uh, signalling, I beg your pardon, an expansionist, an expansionist China's readiness to nourish local forces across the world. Lin's remarks seem to as a clear expression for the basis of the domino theory. Okay, well, we'll come to Lin Biao um, uh, a little bit later. Here we've got. Uh, if if you listen to actually um, the the previous podcast all about um, Neville Chamberlain's uh, thoughts uh, and his strategic world view um, prior to Munich, um, uh, then you'll know that um, before 1938, appeasement was not seen as necessarily a particularly one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Bad thing. Or hadn't really got the, the kind of the dirty word... Uh, the, the the black name for itself that, that it has now. Following the Second World War, of course, um, appeasement is or the the uh, refusal to uh, accept appeasement is a, a kind of an article of faith uh, for the United States. 
uh, and um, there was obviously a great deal of wishful thinking about what would have happened if the Allied powers had stopped Hitler at um, the remilitarization of the Rhineland in 1936, and you know uh, the the history of the world would have been radically, radically different. So there was a a genuine belief that um, appeasement of Mao could not be uh, could not be allowed to persist in in, in Asia or, or anywhere else. And so this this is this this um, kind of appeasement scepticism is why is one of the reasons why uh, Vietnam uh, is uh, a, a place where the battle lines uh, are, are drawn. Um, Julia Level writes, Long after the fact, the American architects of the war effort admitted that China's militant rhetoric had blinded them to the actuality of Chinese capacity to menace U.S. interests. In retrospect, McNamara conceded 30 years later, one can see the events of autumn 1965 as clear setbacks for China. But blinded by our assumptions and preoccupied with a rapidly growing war, we, like most of the Western leaders, continued to view China as a serious threat in Southeast Asia and the rest of the world. Kiang Zhai, uh, a path-breaking historian of the Mao era, um, uh, China's intervention in Southeast Asia, argues that the American debacle in Vietnam might have been avoided had the Americans not feared Chinese influence there so much. Chinese behaviour convinced leaders in Washington that Beijing was a dangerous gambler in international politics and that American intervention in Vietnam was necessary to undermine a Chinese plot of global subversion by proxy. By this reckoning, one of the hottest conflicts of the Cold War was motivated by the desire to contain and isolate communist China. So this is fascinating and this throws um, a much needed uh, perspective on uh, American uh, foreign policy decision making and what it was that motivated America and American presidents to invest so heavily in Vietnam. Um, again, an, an awful lot of the time when we look at Vietnam uh, and America's involvement in there, there, it's assumed because there were Soviet supplies to North Vietnam that this is some kind of um, Soviet-American proxy war and um, the evidence looks far more as if um, it was an, a, a war to create a kind of a cordon sanitaire a, a, a barrier uh, to prevent further uh, Chinese expansion as, as America saw it. There were few um, uh, officials in the State Department that fully understood the history of China and Vietnam. And if they had done, they would have understood it had been an immensely antagonistic history for well over a thousand years that um, China, that Vietnam had endured more invasions from China than any other country and that the Chinese were traditionally deeply mistrusted in um, uh, the in, in, in sort of uh, Vietnamese civil society and in Vietnamese politics um, and so the idea of there being a kind of a, a Chinese imperium in Vietnam or that Vietnam becoming a, a Chinese client state was 
always highly unlikely. There's a really important bit in um, Imagined Communities by Benedict Anderson, where he makes this point all, already. He says, you know, the, that within um, a few years of the defeat of America by uh, Vietnam uh, in by 1975, that America, that Vietnam was at war with its supposed kind of communist um, uh, northern communist neighbour, China. And the point he makes is that instead of there being some kind of Maoist international, that competing rival nationalisms are much more uh, significant in the process of, of creating conflict and kind of uh, slugging it out with one another. Making this point very well, Julia Level writes, As the dragon in Red Chinese Battle Plan, battle plan sprawled across the continents, US policymakers assumed the communist parties in old Indochina divided after the Second World War into Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos would exult at the dragon's advance. Instead, China, Vietnam and Cambodia each harboured their own and differing interpretations of the domino theory. China's leaders did view Vietnam and other parts of Indochina as dominoes in the World Revolution, often speaking high-handedly of these territories as a natural extension of China's own interests. The Vietnamese feared that Indochina would become China's domino, while the Cambodians and the Chinese were, su- were suspicious of Vietnamese ambitions to dominate the region. Through the critical decade, throughout the, through the, the critical decade of the 1960s at least, Western policymakers played down or ignored the fact that for centuries, if not millennia, the Vietnamese had perceived and resented the Chinese Empire as an expansionist power. Um, of course, um, Vietnamese uh, and Cambodian relations were equally um, e- equally uh, strained, and the uh, and Cambodia viewed their more powerful cousin to the east as being um, once again a, 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 a wannabe kind of hegemon within Indochina in general. In spring 1975, the dominoes of Indochina all fell to communism. But this was no unified tide of opposition to the free world. Instead, the historical enmity of Vietnam towards China and of Cambodia towards Vietnam drove two more wars in the region and destroyed alliances that Karl Warriors had once thought unbreakable. For ten years, up to 1972, the US committed hundreds of thousands of American lives and billions of dollars to a war built on the assumption of Chinese control of Vietnamese communism. In the years that followed, an extraordinary game of musical alliances ensued. Kissinger and Nixon fell for the decaying charms of Mao and Zhu Enlai. Obviously, uh, Nixon visited Mao in 1972. Vietnamese communism, uh, until this point, founded on the teachings of Mao Zedong, the dazzling mirror, um, demarified at speed. Both Vietnam and China scrambled to make up with their former bitter adversary in the United States, uh, which, following the amoral creed of my enemy's enemy is my friend, kept the Khmer Rouge in the United Nations until 1989. Um, that's an, an, 
a, a, diff, a story for a different time, I, I sense. Through, our, through the 1980s, uh, China and Vietnam fought each other, while the US and Chinese together facilitated and funded uh, war by the Khmer Rouge, easily the most extreme offshoot of global Maoism against Vietnam. So the, um, the fact that US strategic assumptions about Vietnam, about the cohesiveness of um, Vietnamese communism, Maoism, uh, and the um, monstrous incarnation of Maoism in the guise of the Khmer Rouge, uh, the fact that it was uh, so poorly understood, the internal dynamics between these three, three powers, um, meant that um, American decision-making within Indochina uh, would be fatally flawed, um, and the uh, idea that um, both America uh, and China eventually had a material interest in both opposing uh, and uh, plotting to undermine uh, Vietnam uh, after the end of the American era, period of the Vietnam War, and that both powers used uh, uh, the Khmer Rouge to the point of actually, once the Khmer Rouge had been kicked out of power, America continued to arm, train, equip and feed Khmer Rouge fighters in border camps in Thailand um, in order to wage a guerrilla war against Vietnam in, in order to undermine it um, long after the end of official hostilities between America and Vietnam. Uh, this is part of this very tangled and complicated uh, greater history of American involvement in Indochina. So we're going to talk a lot more about this. Uh, it's a fascinating topic and um, Mao's involvement, as we'll see, in the Vietnam War goes from being um, welcome by the North Vietnamese, looking upon uh, Mao as the, um, the progenitor of their own revolution, uh, and the person who um, had mastered the kind of the guerrilla war that um, people like Ho Chi Minh wanted to fight. Um, uh, as the um, North Vietnamese state became more established, um, the old suspicions, old resentments, and uh, old fears about Chinese influence um, develop, and these are all fairly legitimate fears, resentments, and suspicions too. Um, so we'll we'll look at that now. By way of a mere culpa, um, in the previous um, podcast, I said that the East Fulham by-election was in 1936. It was not, as we all know, it was in 1933. So there you go. Hold my hands up. Um, I will um, carry on with this probably next week sometime. So thanks very much for listening. And do check out the uh, the new website we've got, explaininghistory.org. There um, is uh, new uh, content and blog posts uh, uh, are going up. And um, if you want some slightly longer reads, subscribe to Explaining History on Patreon. There's a link on the Explaining History website, uh, and uh, all contributions gratefully received. Thank you very much, everybody. Take good care. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.